Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, December 22nd, 2015, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. The next Pleiadian lineup will be in May of 2016, and we're now gathering the ninth Starseed Crystal Quest to Arkansas, which starts May 15th through the 21st. This is a reunion of a particular soul family, which we call the Crystal Soul Family, and it's identified by having at least one of these six star markings, either natally or progressed, 25, 26, or 27 degrees in Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, Capricorn, and Cancer. This soul group has the rites of passage where crystals are concerned, and when they come together in Arkansas, magical things do happen. If you feel the call of the crystals but aren't sure if you have the markings, I'll be glad to take a quick look at your charts and let you know. Just send me your complete birth info, including the date, exact time of birth, place of birth, and your current location, and send it to crystals, that's plural, crystals, at starseedhotline.com. We have one of our favorite guests with us for this Christmas show. Gloria Amendola is an author and intuitive whose life has been dedicated to understanding the esoteric mysteries around Mary Magdalene, the Holy Grail, and her recent excursion to the U.K. has brought fascinating possibilities about Joseph of Arimathea and King Arthur. Her trilogy, called Mary Magdalene, Revelations of a First Century Avatar, contains the channeled words of Mary Magdalene. As a modern-day Knight Templar, she retraces their steps and gathers intuitive impressions of their energy left behind. As an international speaker, she has helped bring greater truth to the story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And her website is gloria-amendola.com. And Amendola is spelled A-M-E-N-D-O-L-A. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Fiona and Vanya for hosting the switchboard with us this evening. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com. And special thanks go to Tammy, as always, for her dedication to the forum. You can download our show podcasts on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page using the cloud with an arrow icon. We'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by clicking follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notice. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. If you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And if you want a stage two interpretation of that solar return chart, please order it at least two or three months ahead of your birthday to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours. 
And uh, first tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with the Starseed News. Well, good evening, Ariel. Good evening, everybody. It's great to be with you. Can you hear me? I sure can. Good, good. Well, we are having very unusual weather, but before we get into that, we're going to talk about the sun. Today is December 22nd, and it is the first day of northern winter. It began uh, began this morning at 448 uh, universal time when the sun reached its southernmost declination on the celestial sphere. The same event kicks off summer in the northern hemisphere. Lucky people. But we have had incredibly warm weather where I am, and I think many of you can say the same. Now, there is an uptick in solar activity. Lately, we've been reporting that there hasn't been much happening on the sun, but that has now changed Two new sunspots, AR-2472 and AR-2473, are on the sun's eastern limb, and they're crackling with C and M-class solar flares. And according to spaceweather.com, these are not major events on the Richter scale of flares, but they are nevertheless bathing Earth's upper atmosphere with pulses of extreme UV radiation. Now, the pulses in turn are creating minor radio blackouts at frequencies below 20 megahertz. And we have had a rare winter storm event in Minnesota last week. Just about everyone across Minnesota is telling you that this has not been a normal uh, start to their winter. Snow's hard to find right now in most areas of the state, and temperatures have been unseasonably warm. It feels a bit more like spring than their typical brutal winter. But last week, the weird weather kicked up a notch and went so far as to produce lightning strikes to houses that caught fire during a flurry of thunder snow. So how's the weather in your neck of the woods this winter? Here it is like spring. We had a high of near 70 degrees today, and it does indeed feel like spring. If this keeps up, we may see the forsythia start to bloom. So it is a strong El Nino year. We don't really know what to expect, but right now a lot of people are experiencing unseasonably warm temperatures. And in Israel, you know, they have had the weirdest weather there for the last couple of months. And late last week, four inches of rain fell in only one hour in the coastal city of Ashkelon, Israel. It flooded schools and kindergartens. It brought chaos to the roadways. And it set a new meteorological record for rainfall in a single hour. Local police and firemen were out in force. They had to get out there to help people in kayaks rafts and all-terrain vehicles to bail out drivers and pedestrians stranded in this torrential downpour. And there's been a lot of reports of sinkholes. I just don't normally report on that. I could go on and on and on and put you all to sleep. But it's time to touch base with that recent phenomenon within the last 18 months, sinkholes appearing all over the world. And in Houston, Texas, A sinkhole grew right outside a resident's backyard. This person shot video of the rushing water at the bottom of this sinkhole, and he said that the hole has grown over the last 30 days and measures 30 feet across. According to the resident, it had grown 300% in the last week and a half. And also in Arkansas, a place that we're all fond of, uh, they have had a sinkhole close the road in Blytheville. Drivers were detoured uh, after the sinkhole was found Sunday morning. It caused a road closure. There has been a 6.0 magnitude earthquake that rattled Indonesia's Borneo. It struck uh, yesterday, according to the USGS, but there was no immediate damage or casualties that were reported. Uh, 
and in Russia's far east, the Shivaluch volcano has erupted. Uh, it's uh, descending from the slope of the volcano and has raised columns of ash up to 16,000 feet above sea level, level, according to the Russian news agency TASS yesterday. The volcano continues to erupt. They say lava has descended uh, yesterday from the top of the volcano, but they have said there is no threat to settlements in that area. So we have a volcanic eruption with, with lava occurring in Russia. And Chile was struck by a 6.2 magnitude earthquake uh, that was uh, out of the city of Valvali, and they say that it was felt over a large area. And in the Philippines, we've had a 4.0 magnitude quake. They call that moderately strong. And um, that's all for earthquakes this, uh, this week. We've had a few more, but they were too really too small or nominal to report on. Now, in Spain... Dozens of forest fires are raging across northern Spain after strong winds have hindered efforts to keep them from spreading. They are evacuating homes in the worst affected regions, and uh, more than 100 fires were still burning Sunday morning despite rainfall overnight. The rain didn't even put these fires out. Wow. Well, African lions are going to be placed under the protection of the Endangered Species Act just five months after that famous lion called Cecil was killed in Zimbabwe by an American dentist. I'm sure you all heard about that. It was all over mainstream media. Well, they're hoping that this move will better regulate hunting and make it much harder for hunters to bring lion trophies into the United States. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Audubon Society had to have helpers to recover 120 cold, stunned sea turtles over the weekend after strong winds winds caused them to wash up on the shores of Cape Cod Bay. Now, the reptiles that they recovered were Ridley sea turtles, and that happens to be a critically endangered species, and it's the rarest type of sea turtle. They migrate often along that part of the coast, but normally it's much earlier, like early November when they migrate, not this late, and not that many to get stranded. So again, another indicator that nature's a little bit off base, if not becoming a lot off base. And about pineapples. Gosh, do I like fresh pineapples, and I'll bet a lot of you do too. But uh, according uh, to this article, a pineapple pesticide that made its way into milk in Hawaii also is making its way into people's brains, actually men's brains. And I don't know why they classified the gender for this article, but they did. And they say that these men who have absorbed this pesticide are more likely to develop Parkinson's disease. Now, this study is the latest in a very long series of studies linking various pesticides to Parkinson's, which is caused by the loss of certain brain cells. And the study also seems to support, this is interesting, a mystifying observation that smokers seem to be protected against Parkinson's disease. Well, here's an article, yes, I wanted to share this with all of you because many of you have children or uh, have connections to family members with children or whatever. You're interested in the health of everybody. And this concerns uh, GlaxoSmithKline uh, Pharmaceutical. In 2001, GSK, or GlaxoSmithKline, published a trial study in children and adolescents of 329 respondents. 
Now, this study reported that the drug Paxil, I'm sure many of you have heard of this, was effective with minimal side effects, and it was used for depression, by the way. And it was widely believed, uh, the study was widely accepted, and it was cited uh, in the literature and in advertising and so on. However, it's been discovered that this clinical trial was fraudulent. We now know this because the Attorney General of New York State has sued the company in 2004 for repeated and persistent consumer fraud in relation to covering up the deadly effects of Paxil, which opened the company's archives as part of a settlement. Now, notwithstanding that teenagers being treated with the drug committed suicide as a result of the medication, it has been discovered that Glaxo lied to its sales force, telling them that the trial showed remarkable efficacy and safety, while the company admitted in its internal documents that the study did not show Paxil was effective. It was discovered that the researchers also were some pretty shady characters. One researcher double-billed for expenses, and as a head of a psychiatry department, he received hundreds of thousands of dollars from the Massachusetts Health Department to fund research he did not conduct. And the same person received hundreds of thousands of dollars for research he did not disclose, and he got $25,000 per head for each name on his study list, which he made up. So there you go. So much for scientific research. Well, California has a huge natural gas leak, and the crews cannot stop it. And uh, the irony of this is that while everybody in the world was hammering out a historical agreement about curbing carbon emissions, uh, urged along by the state of California, no less, the state was dealing with an, an embarrassing problem of its own, a methane belch, which is a greenhouse uh, house gas, excuse me, 70 times more potent than carbon dioxide, has been leaking out of a natural gas storage site in Southern California for over two months, and a fix won't arrive until springtime. Yeah, the site is leaking up to 145,000 pounds per hour, about a quarter of the state's ordinary methane emissions over the same period. Now, the Federal Aviation Administration recently banned low-flying planes from flying over the site since engines plus combustible gas equals kaboom. So that's what's going on there. Wow. And I've talked about the GMO apple before, but this is another article about that, and I wanted to share it with you. It's a little more detail. And uh, by the way, even the apple industry is opposed to what detractors have called the, bot the Botox apple, and I'll explain that to you. These are apples that have been genetically modified for the uh, food processing industry to make pre-sliced apples that we get in the grocery store. Now, the fact is that pre-sliced apples are a frequently recalled food product. Now, once the whole fruit is sliced, it has, of course, an increased risk of exposure to germs and bacteria. And since browning is a sign that apples are no longer fresh, masking this natural signal could lead people to consume contaminated apples. And that's why its detractors are calling this GMO apple a Botox apple because it has been genetically engineered to eliminate browning. And there are several unanswered questions about the safety of these apples. They say that silencing the genes that make apples turn brown when exposed to oxygen could have unintended consequences that will only be tested by hungry people. 
And although these Botox apples are supposedly targeted to the fresh-sliced apple market, which people could easily refuse to buy, there's no doubt that they could also find their way into non-genetically modified juice, baby foods, or applesauce, which will be eaten by children and babies who are definitely at an increased risk for any adverse health effects. When will they stop monkeying with our food? So, also, I have been getting letters from my local uh, electricity provider uh, trying to entice me to sign up for a smart meter. They promised to discount my light bill by $25 if I want to become smart and join their uh, new technology. Well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't think that smart meters have any health issues or problems. They're what we call kind of the sheep, right? They just do what they're told. Um, but there is a short video on YouTube which shows the uh, three samples of blood that was examined using a dark field microscope while smart meters were running. Now, the video is self-explanatory, and I'll tell you how to get it in just a moment, how to find it. <clears throat> but the samples clearly show morphological responses or reactions in the blood with constant exposure that comes with these smart meters. There is an apparent human cellular morphological reaction that undoubtedly occurs as EMFs and radio frequencies are emitted 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And they say that consequently it's just a matter of time, depending on each individual's electromagnetic sensitivities threshold, before adverse health consequences materialize. I suggest that any of you and all of you go find this three-minute video by searching YouTube under, quote, Live Blood Analysis, Observable Effects of Smart Meters. And I think if you put in just a few of those words, you'll find your video. Live Blood Analysis, Observable Effects of Smart Meters. Maybe I ought to write back to the light company and send that link and tell them no thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're coming up on Christmas and a holiday season, and as a clairvoyant that deals with people day in and day out of with my life, trying to be of service, and as a lover of our starseed, I wanted to just conclude tonight's uh, news program with a few words from humble me to all of you. Um, you know, even though you starseed are such exceptional beings, uh, you're still clothed in a physical form and still have psychology and issues like humans do and I have discovered over my many decades of practice that during this time of the year people often feel depressed or sad or frustrated and I just want to talk for a moment about that because we often have persistent beliefs and unreality and there's no greater unreality than the Christmas myths that are generated uh, the expectations that are that are attached to the holiday season, uh, the things that we have been programmed to believe are necessary for our happiness, uh, family issues, loneliness, uh, being without a partner or a mate, feeling ignored, thinking that other people out there have a perfect life and a happy Christmas and all of those things, all of those infinite number of things associated and attached to uh, the holiday season that many people out there listening to me now don't have all of the things on their wish list ticked off. 
And because of the way we've been programmed, we start to argue with reality. We think sometimes that it isn't right or we're sad because we don't have certain things. And that triggers emotions within us, uh, very deep emotions that come welling out at this time. And then we start to suffer because we're arguing with reality and because life just does not play, play by the rules sometimes of our wishes, our dreams, or the false expectations with which we have been conditioned regarding things such as holiday seasons. So while things uh, do change, and I promise you they will change, the things in your life that aren't perfect this year will change and things will get better because that's the way the wheel of life works. We have to remember that the things that we want, such as maybe having a love partner to share Christmas with, don't necessarily come when we want it or in the way that we want it. And these urgent needs that arise during the holidays give rise to much emotional angst and seasonal sadness. So, you know, life is a roller coaster ride of emotions. And you've all felt so many emotions in the course of your life, not during this, just this time of year. But looking back, you may wonder how you've made it through everything, and I want to remind you that you did. So when we're having an emotional experience, we need to remember that we can lose perspective of the situation as, as well as lose sight of the bigger picture of life itself. Very strong feelings distort how we perceive and what we are able to understand in this moment. This seriously muddles our thinking and makes things even worse, putting us too deep in the forest to see the trees, as they say. So when you get muddled, it's time to step away from what you're feeling through the process of meditation or just getting very still. And let go of the feeling so that you can find your core self. The core self is the eternal spiritual being that you are under your emotions, behind your circumstances, and before the ego personality of this life was even formed. And when you discover the core belief that you have that is generating your negative emotions, such as, I shouldn't be alone on Christmas, or one of the many others, you can then work with the deceptions that are associated with your beliefs. Ask yourself, what if the thing that you believe isn't true? What if you've been conditioned by society's ideas or propagations of what you should believe? So, for instance, if you believe you always come last, I want you to hold that up to the light and count the times that you didn't come last. And if you have come last too often, then you need to say, what self-respect are you lacking that allows others to disrespect you? What do you need to change about yourself? And what can you do to improve your state of mind and happiness? You are in charge of your own life. So decide to make it better by changing what needs to be changed and doing what will bring you true happiness inside of yourself. You are divine consciousness incarnated into a physical form, and you deserve to have a meaningful life. But in fact, it's your responsibility to make that happen. So... When you suffer emotionally, chances are pretty good that there's a generous amount of self-deception going on, and you need to deprogram yourself from the unreality of that. And as far as Christmas is concerned, here's the truth, a simple reality, a plain fact. This is just another series of days, and December 25th is just another day. That's all it is, and that's all it ever was. So even if you spend that one day in a way you don't want, either alone or stressed or whatever, 
It doesn't make you a failure, a misfoot, a good little girl forgotten by Santa. Every day of your life is precious, and thank God there are more days to live and to have good and wonderful things come to you. Ideals we hold up as Christmas hopes and dreams are those things that we would do well to practice every day of our lives. You know, like feeding the poor and helping the sick. When we view that through the clear lens of reality, we need to remember to minister to people all year round through positive change and a stronger sight into the reality of our own lives, including what we wish to make it, to make a daily commitment to know joy and to share it. Now, this is how we're going to bring peace on earth and goodwill to men, and this is how we will become joyful beings with magical lives. And this is how the human race will be redeemed, not by a mystical personage born thousands of years ago across many religious traditions, but by every person, every starseed here and now, who redeems themselves by coming to understand the beautiful truly mystical truth of their lives. So life, the reality of existence, has a gift for you, and it is truth. So here it is. No matter what you think, you are never defective. You are not an abandoned soul or a hopeless victim filled with want. You are never unlovable, even if love is not returned in the way you want or when you act, when you act badly. You are not alone, even when you think you are, and you have a marvelous purpose, even when you think you don't. And know that whatever the trials of this season are, it will always pass. As sure as you live and you breathe, life loves you beyond measure, because it made you. So from my heart to yours, all of you, happy holidays and a joyful new year with much love. So I'll pass it over to you, Ariel. Well, thank you, Anastasia. That was so beautifully put and and really very, very timely. Um, it is a time of joy, and we need to find that path. That's right, and we can all do so, it. We thank you so much for the Starseed News and your beautiful Christmas message. My pleasure. And um, next, we're going to go to um, Lavendar because we have Gloria Amendola here on the switchboard. So I'm going to uh, let's see. There you are, Lavendar. A lot of people on the switchboard. Let me get your mic open and um, get Gloria's mic open. Hello, ladies, Lavendar and Gloria. You are both on the air and ready to go. Hello. Hello. Well, well. Hello. First, I want to say, Anastasia, that was a beautiful beautiful message and so timely and i was actually thinking about those things today that you that you uh, uh said it's like yeah we we've all been trained to believe certain things all these centuries and it's like how much of it has taken over our life you know in the in the christmas holiday all of those things that you that you mentioned i'm sure all of us have experienced it, most of it most of our lives so thank you so much for. I, I would really love to have a copy of that. If you've if you've written that down or if it just came off the top of your head, then please write it down. I I'll just think happy. that is precious. So I'll thank you so much. I'll be happy to send it to you, Lavendar. I'll thank send you. Thank you. Thank you. So Gloria, you there, girl? I am. 
also we thought of you. We thought, who can we have for our Christmas time program? There was no more thought. It was you. <laughs> it, uh, we I'm really exactly Thank we you so much. And I was also told about the astrology, which makes it even more interesting, about the uh, north and south nodes at 26 degrees that you noticed uh, in Pisces and Virgo. So that's fascinating. I I was looking at it this week thinking, oh, my goodness, for us to have the north and south node, it's the mark of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. That's the place where I start tracking the bloodlines and people's soul records. It was like, wow, it's like it's a, a kind of a, a call to, to arms. It's like calling the, the, the bloodlines to stand up and take notice of their connection to this story or to the bloodlines that maybe they have running in their veins, or or just a time of being truthful about what really did happen. And maybe there's going to be some news coming out of the Vatican because we have this particular astrological uh, marking. It's like, you know, it would be wonderful if the astrological chart would open up the Vatican in this way and say, please tell us the truth about what you've been doing all these years. <laughs> oh, my God, all happen. these millennia. Don't even get me started on that. Uh, I, I've been thinking about that a lot for some reason in the last couple of days, and especially since yesterday I was up in Newport, Rhode Island, um, looking at the solstice alignment in the Newport Tower and, of course, the different layers of history, you know, most likely Knights Templar, perhaps Prince Henry Sinclair, and just those names alone are bloodline, are seen, are heretics, are holding the mysteries and the true story. And and even beyond the story, what it means for us as human beings and our abilities going forward. Um, there's one thing, though, I would like to, to mention, Lavendar, um, about the Aquarian age. Kind of to frame this for tonight's show, I was um, in Maine doing some Magdalene work up there, and um, and I didn't finish my Newport thought, but I just want to say in terms of uh, working with this astrologer up there who, I, who was in France with me and uh, is quite good, he's been doing this for a very long time, he sees the Aquarian age as actually coming in on the winter solstice, December 21st, 2020. Wow. Which is five years away. And I don't know about you, but I have never been able to find in my research a solid date for that time. There's a lot of discrepancy. There's a lot of argument. But nobody, for some reason, needs to be sure. And I'm, and I'm confident and convinced that that date is very connected to the bloodline and the messages and the standing up and the recognizing and the awakening that has been happening. I think that's a key date. Have you heard anything about it? No, I haven't, but it makes me wonder about, you know, when we had uh, the December 20th of 2012, the ending of the Mayan calendar, which is really close to the 21st. And then we th when we think back through history, when Athena left the planet and went back to the Pleiades, it was on the winter solstice. So it's like there's a lot of connections. There's a lot of weaving of astrological entrances and exits that happens with the winter solstice. Very interesting. I'm trying to find, um, as we're talking here, about the the actual astrology. 
Um, I'm not finding it yet, but there is there is very specific astrology behind it. But yes, that's the date that was um, given by uh, Leo Tallarico, and he's he's you know he, I, I like his his take on astrology, and and even myself, I was doing a winter solstice event here in Connecticut, and I was amazed at how many. Uh, things happen around the winter solstice as well, and how this dying and resurrecting sun god, Mithras, Bacchus, uh, you know, Dionysus, Attis, uh, some say Horus, you know, all this energy around the winter solstice where religions then formed was really marking the still time after the solstice and then the return of the light. So the fact that Leo has this winter solstice 2020 marked feels good to me as well. Yeah, there's there's definitely some interconnection. I can see a weaving a pattern here that's forming. So I hope that you continue investigating this. And anything you find out about it, please share that with me because I'm tracking some things, you know, very similar. Okay. Okay. okay, good. So I would just like to go back. I didn't mean to confuse the subject and jump, but I, I just wanted to get that out there at the top of the show. And when you were talking about bloodlines, you know, we've we've certainly talked about Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and I have more to share in terms of my recent travels to England and Wales and the research and what showed up there, both in research and then on the ground. But I will say that as I was in Newport, Rhode Island, um, and I've been going there for years and years and years, but I never saw what I've begun to see in the last three or four years. I guess it's time. And once we left the Newport Tower, we then went to one of the mansions there, and I was showing someone locally um, the, the encoded grail symbols on the exterior of this particular mansion, and I knew that these people had to be French on some level. I knew there was a connection. I could feel it in my bones. And when we were there yesterday, because she knew the gifting family who gifted this particular mansion to a college there, they let us, they gave us carte blanche to move around and to really take our time and look around at symbols. And the symbols were overwhelming. And I'm beginning to put together as this bloodline of the Grail moved and why they were moving the specific places and how the trail is also in America. Oh, that's fascinating. That's very fascinating. Wow. Yeah, you know, we really do not know our own history, never mind the true story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene and the bloodlines and the history and the heresies and the crucifixion and the suppression that has gone on for, well, basically these last 2,000 years. Yeah. So let me ask you, do you think that Pope Francis is going to be our last pope? Well, I I think a lot about this because according to this ancient prophecy of St. Malachi, um, he allegedly saw, made predictions and saw this last pope to be Francis. And of course, there's debate on both sides and then, you know, the water gets muddied and so on and so forth. So I won't go into all that detail because it's not relevant tonight, but I will say that as a spokesman for probably the most powerful institution on the face of the earth, at least financially and um, 
I don't know, from a religious standpoint, it's it's hard to tell, but certainly they're a powerful ancient institution. They are at odds with the things that he is saying and the pushback inside the hierarchy of the Vatican, not the good people in churches worldwide, but the Vatican is really opposed to a lot of what he's putting forth. So you, so you can see where it could be him? a classic case of him being done in from within. So you think the shadows are working, right? Oh, I have no doubt the shadows are working. I just am not sure how out of control they will become. And that's why in mentioning the age of Aquarius, I think it's an important marker for us as we marked 2012 and what that meant. There were certainly forces who were trying to either push us to Armageddon, and then when that didn't happen, because that's really was, you know, that's not what was going to happen, then they could tell people, well, see, that was all a bunch of nonsense because nothing really happened, right? So so now we have this age of Aquarius coming in firmly, I believe, uh, on this winter solstice date, and it makes a lot of sense to me. So what Magdalene has said in my channel trilogy is that the light continues to grow no matter what we see, no matter what the media is flashing before us. And it seems to me that, as she says, those in power will do anything because they know what's coming too. And you could see the way things have played out on a lot of levels that that attempt has certainly been made. So I think these next five years in terms of these transitions are huge. And so will the Pope be taken down? I mean, the people love him in general, and yet the hierarchy behind him is not happy. Well, we know from past history what that means. We do. We, we do. <laughs> you know, some time ago, I was shown a, a vision of the Vatican and an earthquake happening, and it happened that um, the, the vaults and a crack in the earth would spew up, pages would be floating up into the sky and landing on the streets, the secrets from the Vatican. And I hope that that happens in my lifetime. I hope I get to, I get to read about it, see it or on television or whatever. I hope that that well, you know happen. what? I think I think we're going to. I really, really believe that. I know in one of my groups last year, uh, we at the end of last year, we were um, doing a projection, a meditation projection into 2015, and one of the women in the group got this very clear word, and you've just used it as well. She came out of the meditation and she said, "There's going to be." a crack, and there's going to be this crack physically in the earth somewhere, I think in the northern United States, and it's going to be a symbol of the cracking, the bigger shifting in consciousness that is to come. And you said that also in in the cracking in the earth, and ironically, that cracking in the earth has happened, I believe, in Wyoming, 
the earth has, is literally cracking open. So in terms of what this woman um, in, my, in my group, in, in the circle, in the Magdalene circle saw, we believe it's actually come to pass. And it was kind of a little sign, a little marker out there for us that this was a signal that the cracking is deepening. Was it Wyoming or Montana? Um, it could have been either. It, it was a fairly recent um, article. But was it somewhere close to where uh, the Battle of Bighorn happened? You know, I don't know. Let me see if I can Google it while we're talking and come up with it. I, I certainly have it in my research files, but I have so many it's hard to you know, get them. Uh, I have a story called Crack Between the Worlds, and that's when the giant rock cracked over in uh, Landers, California, uh, in all my work with George Van Tassel. So I got launched out into the world with this light information when that when that rock cracked. <laughs> so by your saying this, it's like, oh, there's more cracks coming. <laughs> well, absolutely, and I was reading um, just... Okay, yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, what I have Googled here is giant crack appears in the earth near Wyoming's Bighorn Mountains. Yeah. It, it, yeah, that's so what it is. So that's in the vicinity of, wow, interesting yeah. timing. Yeah, very interesting timing. And for me it was, and there's pictures if you, if you Google this, which is what I just did, there's some pictures of this on the Internet, so it's not too hard to find. Uh, Tuesday. I'm trying to get a date on this, but it was recent, um, end of October. So after the whole four blood moon, you know, eclipse, um, all those alignments took place, there was a giant crack in the earth in the bighorns. Yeah. There you go. There it is. I mean, we were specifically given that, and the and the general location, northern United States, you know, out west somewhere, but northern. Um, so we were told that, and then something else came out, uh, the Wingmakers material. I don't know if you've ever followed that, but they mentioned a crack as well. So I think it was just a, an aligning of what kind of is in that oversoul, you know, intelligence that we all tap into. But I think it really signifies a deeper crack, and I think that goes to the Vatican as well. Yeah. I'd like to shift our conversation now to your trip to Wales and, and how you were connected to Mother Mary, and tell us a little bit about what you discovered there. Well, this is quite an interesting um, series of events, and so let me let me do the best I can to put this together. Um, I had read a book over the summer about Mother Mary, the Marian Conspiracy. I think it was Graham Phillips. And he talked about how when some bones were found in Jerusalem, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the book, the Vatican, and this is history, the Vatican had dispatched someone there to um, uh, check because uh, somebody was claiming them to be the bones of Mother Mary, and of course she supposedly physically ascended. So they were relieved when they turned out to be sheep bones. But it began a journey for the author in going back and, and tracing and having a Vatican contact because there are good people in the Vatican who are fighting the good fight, but there is a lot of darkness, in my opinion, um, and very serious, very deep darkness. Um, so, so anyway, he goes on this on this journey, 
and the very long and short of all the places that he goes to and all the the legends and the history of the legends, he leaves no stone unturned. And all roads point to Wales. And in my other research over the summer, I was also looking at the Essenes or the Coldies and how I believe they ended up in Wales. And then I started to think about the legends of Joseph of Arimathea and Jesus in the UK, Scotland, England. And I began to find inroads into Wales. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, all roads are leading to Wales. This is pretty wild. And I, and someone even sent me information that Mary Magdalene was from Wales. And, and I didn't, resonate with that. But while I was there, I was able to determine that there were um, Welsh cults who um, revered the Magdalene, and they had their own practice. And I and I haven't yet gone into the details of that, but I will next month. I'll be doing a lot of writing and putting this research into, you know, book form. But so anyway, so so here we have all these layers, right, and the layer of King Arthur, which is mind blowing. So I said I'm I'm I plotted out where and as I designed this tour I let the people know that I've never been to Wales but that if they want to come on the adventure and know that well we're gonna go on a grail adventure in real time. And they were they were all game. They were all up for it. So we went to the very uh, tip. Uh, we went very deep into Anglesey, which is this royal island. Um, it was a Druidic royal island, and there's a lot of potential connections as to our Jesus clan or the Judean refugees having been there as well. That imprint is there. So we went to a village, um, which I cannot pronounce, <laughs> I when I sent the photos of the those those two photos of the light breaking through the sky, uh I named the um uh, the village. It begins with an L, but I, I just can't pronounce some of these Welsh names. And this is what I found. We we drove and drove and finally got to this Church of St. Mary in Lanark Med, Wales, and I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. And it was a, and it was the only day in the UK, which is a miracle, that wasn't sunny and warm. Every other day was, and that's what makes what happened in those photos so spectacular. So I, I think I finally have the right St. Mary Church, and it's old and it's dilapidated. And I say to the group, here, just just stay in the van, stay warm, stay put. Let me go up there and check and make sure this is the right church. And one person came with me. So as we walked up and we got in, it was it was apparent. It was very old. It was somewhat neglected. You couldn't get in. And around the back, there were these cemeteries, which you see in those images. And swear to God, the way it happens, whether it's Magdalene in spirit, my angels, whomever, all of a sudden I, I say to Magda, who's with me, believe it or not, that's her name, Oh, yeah, you can go get the, the rest of the group, and if they want to come, this is the right place, the right church. So she does. So while I'm standing there saying, why am I here? What am I? I'm looking for the burial of Mother Mary, which is said to have been in this location. Did, did I make a mistake? Did I drag people all the way out here? Did I really screw up? Oh, my God, I'm having a like a momentary crisis. And all of a sudden, this lady comes in. Now, mind you, there was really not anyone around. This lady, out of nowhere, just comes walking with a puppy through the churchyard 
And she looks at me and she says, are you looking for the burial of Mother Mary? And I thought, you know, oh, my God. I mean, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Wales. And I looked at her and I'm like, well, yes. And she says, well, I've read the books and I've read others. And I can tell you this was once a very sacred place. So don't be fooled by what it looks like right now. So I'm, I'm a bit stunned, and the group starts slowly assembling, and this, this overcast sky that was, you know, you couldn't see any of the sun. All of a sudden, a beam of light starts to break through. And I'm looking up at the sky, and I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, what's, you know, what, what is going on here? And she proceeds to tell me how it was a sacred place, but that Mother Mary wouldn't have been buried right there, but she was buried three fields out. And I had to go past the field of sheep. I had to go past the field of horses. I had to go past the field of cattle. And then she gave me very specific instructions where a railroad track meets a stream. That's your spot. And as she's telling me this, the sky is opening up. And beams of light are coming, filling in from all directions. And we're all witnessing this in real time. And I'm thinking, wow, this is just, this is so interesting. And then... As quickly as it came, it was gone, and it was time to move on. And it took us a while to find the location, but we did. And it was hard to know, you know, a, thou, you know, a couple thousand years later, if that was, in fact, the spot. But all those things aligned in the middle of nowhere, and it was really an incredible experience. Wow. You, did you take lots of pictures? I did. I took a lot of pictures, um, and there were these curious purple-like stones that I've never seen before, and I've collected rocks and stones from all over the world. And they were in this area where Mother Mary was said to have been buried. And there were there were a fair amount of them, and I took a few home. Um, at that point, it was the end of, you know, being gone for many weeks, and, you know, I had so many stones. I just, I really should have taken so many more, but they were just, I've never seen anything like them. And they had this purple to them, but I've never collected them from anywhere. And um, I took lots of pictures, and I still don't know what I think of it, but I will never ex- uh, forget the experience that coalesced around being there. Oh wow! I would love to. I would love for you to shoot those pictures over to me. I'd love to see the purple stones. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see what that looks like. Yeah, that'd be great. They're very nondescript. I can't say that they're ornate or whatever. They're they're very unassuming. But it's the only place I have ever seen them before, and uh, it was just the strangest thing. Wow! Wow! So how long were you there? We were there in England and Wales for a week. It was a very intense road trip. It wasn't like being in the south of France when I do the local initiation tours. We're fairly local, except for Montsegur. I mean, this was a real, okay, we're going to get up, you know, we're going to drive this many miles. And it was it was more of an endurance test because the old English hotels along the way and the B&Bs, they don't have elevators. And, you know, they were long days, but they were incredible days, the things that we found. And there's another component to this that I, I that really blew my mind. I had fallen into 
some King Arthur research, um, because Renee and I, you know Renee Barnett, Renee and I were talking, and we were throwing around some ideas about uh, King Arthur and Maddox, this name Maddox. And I came upon all this research all summer, which mm, said some very curious things about Arthur. And then when we began to drill down on it, I began to find that there was some connection between King Arthur and Joseph of Arimathea. That makes sense. It does, doesn't it? But I don't know. I didn't put I didn't put it together before, but I knew that I really resonated with with that um anytime King Arthur comes up in that whole story, it it really pulls me. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Because well, we were fi- we were so... finding that King Arthur's um um his people that were close to him seemed to be have been given the responsibility of taking care of the remains of Mother Mary, according to the book. But what I found through one of the people on the tour who had ironically traced her lineage back to Joseph of Arimathea before the tour, which is odd, um, how that unfolded, and this band of traveling Essenes, as I had done a lot of soul record work with the group, and there were many, many Essenes, I, and this had been building for a couple of years, um, she found this book in Glastonbury Abbey when we were in Glastonbury that talks about Arthur um, actually being a descendant of Joseph of Arimathea. Right. And that he he drew up the rules of the round table on druidic principles. And everywhere we went, where the druids were, so was Joseph of Arimathea, so were the Judean refugees, so was King Arthur, so yeah. were the Knights Templar. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, makes yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Oh, and what goodness. what I also found in my research, and I haven't been able to substantiate this yet, that in order to be one of Arthur's 12 knights, you also had to be descended from Joseph of Arimathea. And for your listeners that may not realize that, that is the relation to Jesus, to Yeshua. And there's, you know, there's conflict of whether it was his uncle, great uncle, older brother. But the, the bottom take, you know, the bottom line takeaway is that he was family. Well, it was a huge bloodline experiment, as I as I recall. Well, it was, and I mean that's a whole other aspect of the story, and and the light, and the light that they carried, and the memory, and the ability in their DNA and their blood, and why I ultimately believe that they were hunted, because we can we can put together some fabulous alternative history, and there are so many amazing people working to do that, every piece along the way. And it's an incredible thing that we're pulling out of thin air because of all the documents that have been burned, destroyed, suppressed, um, which in itself is incredible. But at the but once you get into this, as you well know, and you, you begin to understand the pattern and, and that this was done, you then have to ask yourself, why? Yeah. And although on one level it is the the church not wanting their power usurped and therefore trying to kill, and it's very Roman, you know, very like much like the Roman Empire acted. So, you know, Constantine making that shift from the empire to religion, but it goes deeper than that, in my opinion. 
and there are very dark forces that lodge themselves within the Vatican, in my opinion. And it is that darker, more insidious force that really did not want humankind to evolve. You're right. You've you've nailed it. <laughs> you've nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness, we could talk for hours. Uh, but I wanted to ask you because you sent me a, a page with some notes on it, and I was very curious why you put Joan of Arc. Uh, it says, "Tell us about her hidden history, her story." Okay. All right. I'm 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 not going to tell the full story, but I'm going to give some highlights. Joan of Arc, when you, when you read a traditional account of her story, it, what does it sound like to you, Lavendar? When, when, you know, just, the bullet, just a few bullet points of Joan of Arc's life. When you think of it, if you read about it, what comes to mind? Well, it comes to mind that she was um, a, a woman that had her male, her male and female energies were all in one body. She was very androgynous. She um, was very psychic, intuitive, and well-connected, and probably had bloodlines running through her that was, you know, really hooked up to higher forces. And that's the way I've kind of tracked her. Okay. Okay. And if we and if we look at what a lot of people in the world still think about Joan of Arc was that, you know, she rose up as really as a teenager and she united France and she, you know, they they were deeply inspired by this young woman and then she was betrayed and um, you know, put in jail and lo and behold she had this trial and she was burned at the stake by those in power. So so if you dissect the traditional story that most people in the world still carry with them, it's that same story. It's, it's very much a Jesus story. It's very similar. And so they take someone with great power, they're betrayed, and they're killed, and then they're made a saint, or they're made the son of God, or whomever. And on one level, I have come to realize that those who harbor these very dark energies for whatever reasons, there is a very subliminal message in there because if you stand in your power and look at these people throughout history, they ultimately die. They may become martyrs, saints, heroes, whatever. I mean, even in our own current you know, times we've had a lot of people, you know, JFK, of course, you know, that's the, that's the easiest one that comes to mind. But but so you have this same um, edification of this um, dark interpretation of power, in my opinion. Okay. And, and so we have this story. And so Joan of Arc means many things to many people. I will say this, is that there is a different belief among those in France who have had access to certain documents and certain information. And there is a belief that she was the illegitimate child of the queen, and therefore not only royal, but there was a bloodline running through her. And the idea, if you think about her just marching in to the royal court and having this vision um, and wanting to share this information, the likelihood of that really happening was very low. But if she was schooled in the mechanics and the politics of the royal court, 
and then was allowed access in. That's a whole different take on who she was and who was behind her. And her trial transcripts are online, so you can read them. But but remember, she was, what, like 19? I mean, she was very, very young. And yet some of the answers that she gave were not only smart, but it seemed to me, you know, I, I have a background in the legal profession. It seemed to me that she was schooled by very smart people in the law. And there is even, like our Jesus story, an alternate viewpoint that she actually never even died. Wow. And so I don't want to say more. I don't want to give sources away because I still have to dig deeper in. These are stories that have been told to me while I was in France. But I think what I'm trying to offer to your to your listeners is that we have been programmed for so long and given such false stories of who these incredible people in history were. And once we start drilling down to the alternate accounts and what probably really happened as opposed to this false history, we begin to find that very powerful people seem to be marginalized or killed or whatever. And shifting into this new age of Aquarius, we need to really have the courage to look at that very differently because they were leaving a legacy of light behind for us so that we could become truly biologically empowered at this time. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Totally. Well, I am so proud of the way you have pursued your your work and written your books. I, of course, I don't have these last books that, you, that you've uh, written, but I certainly have adored the other books, and I take them out every once in a while, and I read from them, and they and they really just uh, brighten up my day. I did want to ask you what the Octurian connection is with Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Well, this is another fascinating aspect, too. I think there's a lot of us who, you know, and especially your listeners as well, because you do the star, you know, the starseed markings and the astrological charts and that whole connection that we have to the stars, to the to ETs, to benevolent beings, to many different species and our hybrid uh, creation on some level. I think I think a lot of people are, you know, putting those pieces together more and more and more. And they are believing that there are, you know, different species that were here and that are here. So we have to begin to look at that aspect. And for me, that was a hard one because I was born in Roswell. So I always shied away from that whole connection. <laughs> but I found that I've come full circle. Yeah, of and course. So, you know, I, I've had to come full circle. It's where my research has led me, so I can't walk away from it. So it took, it took me a long time to get to this point. But so I read before I went to France, I read the Arcturian Anthology by Tom uh, Kenyon and Judy Sion because he connects with them at Les Labadou, um below the hill in Rennes Chateau. And he says the, the, the ship, or I would say the consciousness of it, is in Bougarache Mountain, which is, of course, you know, just past Rennes Ben. So when I read it, there were a lot of things not only that resonated. He talked about the Arcturians um, teaching in holo, uh, holographic realities and holograms. 
And that really resonated because Magdalene has come to me many times and holographically showed a holistic, a holistic teaching principle, which is the way it is said that the Arcturians communicate and teach. And I thought that was pretty cool. So I said, okay, I mean, I know Tom, and I, and, and I know it was probably a struggle for him to write this information on some level, but he stays true, and therefore, you know, here's this information. Take it for what you, you know, what you will. And when he, and he, so he has Jesus and Mary Magdalene in the book, and he says that they were Arcturian. Now, that didn't exactly resonate with me, but what did resonate, because I later did a channeling with Magdalene on that just to kind of clarify that piece, and she said that while they weren't necessarily like full Arcturian, what they did do as they were hitting their level of mastery energetically was that they merged with that aspect of themselves. And that in doing so, they were in a transitional state until one day the tipping point came and they became more Arcturian than human. More of their star being self, more of their multidimensional self than their more human self. Does that make sense? Huh. This is this is new information for me, so I'm just trying to track what you're saying. What is the name of his book, by the way? It's called the Arcturian Anthology. Okay. And it's an enjoyable read. It's um, it's it's just a very succinct, very clear, enjoyable read. And Tom's uh, basis is that he's at Le Labadou, um down by the hill, you know, the bottom of the hill in Renle Chateau. And he's out walking one day and I was shown where he walked when he had the encounter. And it's a very enchanted little area down there. And he has this connection with this Arcturian and it, and it actually pisses him off because it startles him and he's like not ready for this, all this, what they tell him he needs to do. But he, he accepts it, and so he finds this, um, he understands the consciousness to be hovering within Bugarash Mountain. And so this, you know, because I didn't read the book when it first came out, and then people started to tell me, and I oh, Bugarash, you know, there is something really unusual about that mountain in that area. And then when he said that they were Arcturian, I didn't really feel that. But I respect Tom's work immensely, and I, when I got clarification from Magdalene, she clarified it that we, that she, she and Yeshua were merging with that aspect of self, just like we will merge with many aspects of self the more we ascend, right? The more we become fully present and conscious. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, it's, you know, I've, I mean, I've had months to, to digest and, and integrate that information. So, you know, it, I don't know how it feels for you or what you'll, you know, you'll do with it. But I did, you know, as I often do, when I take in this information, if I can on the ground, I'm there and I communicate and I observe and, you know, sit with it for a while. And, and, and that's what really came. But I think it's important because I think that there is uh, a merging going on with those aspects of self. And I think that is part of our ascension. Um, and I think that there are forces out there who are trying to interfere with that as well. Yeah, I do agree. I wanted to ask you, all these 15 years that you've been uh, walking in the footsteps of Mary Magdalene, what's the most important lesson that you've learned from all of this? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think I can say the most important lesson I've learned, uh, hands down, is how she literally said, if you want to be shown the mysteries, which is what I asked, if you want to know the deeper truth, you have to be in a state of forgiveness and unconditional love. And while that may sound simple to some, where I was at when I got that message, I can honestly say now, looking back, I kind of had a hard time with forgiveness and unconditional love uh, was still teetering. I I don't think I had really been stretched to really know what that looked like or felt like. And it was only in really embracing those aspects in my, and it came and it hit me in my, you know, immediate family. So it wasn't like something out there. I might've just, you know, dabbled in understanding. It was at my core and it rocked my world. And, and, and then she says, well, are you going to forgive? And are are you going to still love? And, you know, I didn't, I didn't morph through that understanding in three months or six. It was more like three years easy. Um, you know, levels of, of forgiveness because ultimately you end up having to forgive yourself too. So that was the most incredible lesson. It was the most challenging lesson. And if I hadn't done that, I would never be where I am now. Well, we certainly do appreciate uh, you taking 15 years to um, come to this point where you have the books and you have the tours and you have so many people that are resonating to your truth that you've written. And I, I really applaud you for that. But at this time, I'd like to uh, uh, share the, the show with Ariel and, and the switchboard. So I don't know if, if we have some callers that will want to call in and talk to you, but I'd like to turn it over to Ariel at this time. Okay, so, Lemon Gloria, Lord. you have a wonderful holiday if we don't speak again. And okay, also, you too. Thank you. pictures of those, of those rocks. I really want to see those rocks. Okay, I will. Okay, thank you, honey. And yep. back to you, Ariel. Okay. Wow, this has just been fascinating, Gloria, and um, it's, it's so timely. As we started to um, say at the very top of the show, um, with the north and south nodes at galactic degree at the mark of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, uh, we, I, well, I don't think anybody can really say how that is going to look um, when it's through, but it's certainly going to activate people, and maybe people will be questioning the the programming that they've just always accepted. So, oh, um, I hope so. Because we have been so programmed, and I think the more you awaken and you clear ancestral memory, genetic memory, uh, memory from the Akashic Record, however all of that is defined by you on your journey, I think the more you clear and then just the more you become present. You know, the Maya talked about this too. The more you understand how alive and multidimensional this experience is and how powerful we are as co-creators. And I don't mean that as, you know, trite language. I mean that as the real deal. And 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 that's what I believe was suppressed in the Jesus teachings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I would like to invite people to um, to call in if they have a question or comment for you. And if you are already on the switchboard, you'll need to press 1 so that we know you want to come on the air. If you are not on the switchboard yet, if you're listening on your computer, 
then you have to dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1. So whether you're already on the switchboard or you're about to call into the switchboard, uh, please make sure that you press 1. Otherwise, we won't know that you want to come on because we have people that just listen. So um, actually, while we are waiting for that to um, happen, we actually have uh, several people now that are that are wanting to come on, uh, but we have them in the screening room as our producers are getting them set up to come on the air. So, um, Gloria, if you don't mind, uh, I would like to uh, play a recording of one of my favorite Christmas songs. This is one that I recorded about two years ago, and it oh. is... It is for Mother Mary, and it's called Mary Did You Know. And I hope the sound quality is okay over the uh, Internet and software, but um, okay. a little Christmas gift while we're waiting for the callers to be ready to come on. Okay.
Wow. <laughs> I love that song so much, and thank you. Uh, that is beautiful. Is that you? Listening. Yes. Oh, wow. That is beautiful. Uh, well, thank you very much. And um, actually, it probably will sound better if you download it, and I have a special page on the website, um, starseedhotline.com, um, where I have an entire uh, Christmas CD that I've recorded over the years, and it is free for you to download and share with your family and maybe uh, be a backdrop for some wonderful Christmas memories. Just go to starseedhotline.com forward slash holiday gift, and you can download individual songs or the whole thing in a zip file. And there's also a link to more music that I have recorded. So um, little gift. And we now have people on the switchboard ready to ask you questions. And, Vanya, you are so welcome. You just sent me a little text. I know that you love that song. So uh, first of all, we are going to talk to Jane. And, um, and Lavender, you might want to get in on this one. Um, Jane, you're on the air, and you have a question about the North and South Node. I I do. Well, I have a, a couple. Anyway, hi everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hi Gloria. Um, I I have um, yeah, I have a question. But first of all, I wanted to when I first tuned in, I heard that we've got the North Node in Pisces and the South Node in Virgo, and that is what I have natally. And my sister also has that. Okay, that was the first thing that I noticed was kind of cool about listening to you guys talk tonight. But um, I recently had um, an astrology reading with a person who works with location astrology, and my the biggest A++ place for me to live in the world is uh, kind of the Geneva-Lyon region. But all of France, really, and parts of England are super, super powerful for me astrologically, which I started thinking about the whole Magdalene connection um, somewhat synchronistically with a reading I had with Lavendar some years ago now, a couple of years ago. And I've been bumping up against it and not really doing much with it, just letting information float in. So as you were talking about whales, um, I immediately thought about Arthur just before you mentioned him. And then I thought about, I mean, everything you were saying, I was thinking right before you would say it, which, and Gloria, I, I have not read your work. Um, I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't read it. So, it was so anyway. So I was tracking with that, and as you were talking about King Arthur and Joseph of Arimathea, I I wanted to call in right then and say you and ask about Joan of Arc. I was dying to just call in and say, what's the connection with Joan of Arc and, and Mary Magdalene? Where's what's happening with that? And then you brought Joan of Arc up, which was, <laughs> <laughs> which was so so interesting. So. Because I had a friend years ago who who was not, um, uh, she didn't know she was very intuitive. She was one of those really wise people that didn't have a clue that she was Mm -hmm. tapping in. And I firmly believed her to be Florence Nightingale, you know, the reincarnation of, in some degrees, of Florence Nightingale. And she looked at me one day and she's, and I don't know what we were talking about, but she said, yeah, I'm pretty sure you were Joan of Arc. <laughs> and so I started laughing and thinking about that. Now, that's not at all where, where I'm going with this, but it is definitely there's stuff going on with me 
Well, if, if I might just say something, with uh, Lavendar talking about those uh, astrological points of reference that, that we were talking about, and you listening on this night, just by that very alignment, you are probably probably being triggered on a level of cellular remembrance that you're not even realizing yet because you're just completely connected to it at this moment. So it's no surprise to me personally, as I've seen this process unfold for so many people, that you're just synchronistically following along because there's a whole other level of your consciousness that is activating. Well, and I have to tell you, Gloria, that uh, just in the last month, I picked up an Arcturian book, and I started wondering. Ah. I mean, I very, well, seriously, I was there. I got very clear that Jesus and Mary were, of course, Arcturian. It's kind of like I throw it out there. Of course, they are. That's how it felt to me. Now, I have no idea, but that's how it. <laughs> that's how it hit me. And so, the question for you after all of this, and I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of things that I know are going on with me that I don't. I mean, that I know that I, that I get tickled by and synchronicities are all over the place. I, I don't make any movement with anything. And as it turns out, San Antonio is not a great place for me astrologically to make any movement whatsoever. And so I'm not. And <laughs> But my question is, with all of this stuff that starts happening, do you have advice on what, how, how to, to take this information and begin? Is there something to do with it? Or is it just, just to be aware of it until a time comes when you actually know what to do with it. So, Because you've been through some of this, so I thought maybe you'd have advice for all of that. But all of us who are getting hit with these little bits of info, we know it's coming uh, from a real place, and we know we're part of something, but not quite sure what to do with it yet what to do with it i mean that's a that's a great question and i will be very honest in saying for a period of time i didn't know what to do with it either um and there were times where i thought i was literally losing my mind <laughs> and then i'd just get on a plane and i'd go back to france and i would walk around and and i would have my experiences there because the the pull for me personally was so strong that that's what i had to do but then i would come home and I would still have to assimilate the energy. So it was it was really many levels of experience that I felt like I was dealing with. Like there there is a time to to read a book and take notes and you know, use the mind and 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 see what that information where you get your goosebumps, you know, what really what really sets you on fire. And, you know, there are dreams and there are working with so many gifted, intuitive people and yourself in terms of, of understanding the chakra system and the soul record and the memories and doing past life work. So, you know, there, there are all of those pieces as well. And then somehow, my God, I don't know how, we have to try to stay grounded and do the grocery shopping and, you know, basic mundane things like that. But sometimes when we have these large triggering experiences, cooking a simple meal or grocery shopping can be a simple task that will save us from from ourselves at times because it becomes a very heady experience when we get more and more present and we realize our own aura our own Merkabic field, if you will. We feel right. our energy growing. We feel our alignment. Like tonight is a real alignment moment for you. And when you hold that vibrationally for 10 minutes or a half hour or two hours, 
most likely you will vibrate out of that experience for a while and you'll just start to kind of crash and be exhausted because you were really stretched vibrationally. And then maybe you'll need a couple of days of rest before you walk down that path again. Depending on where you're at in your journey, it is a process of assimilating energy and letting it work on where you are at vibrationally and spiritually and in your heart and in your experiences and in your karma and in your mission, in your journey. So, you know, it's a very tailored experience, but we all hit kind of the same blueprint in, in terms of how we get there. And so it's many, many things at many times. And um, I guess seek out, you know, the best that you can meditation, the, you know, the inner life is important in this journey, because you have to, you have to begin to hear your own truth, because there's so much misinformation out there at this time. And it's, and I appreciate all of that. And this would then lead to more of a of a solid awareness of what what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, Lavendar knows part of this story, but I really I don't have a job. I don't have any money. I'm, I'm my husband is still paying for a few things, but we're really starting to pull apart. So I, if I had money, I would be in France. There's no doubt. I don't know what I would be looking for or what I would be doing, but I know I would be there. Um, so I, I'm just wondering with the meditating, which I do, um, are do you is part of the process and just going with that until I become more aware of of how to be out in the world and perhaps using who I am as a way to uh, reach out to people and also earn a living and all of that? Well, I think that the more we deconstruct our mental programming, the more that we manifest very clearly and very succinctly and have everything that we need. And so the, you know, as you're, as you're talking about being guided, I will say absolutely. Uh, we, our internal compass is extraordinary. Um, our, our GPS, our internal GPS is amazing once it gets turned on and everything we have uh, will be provided. It may sound trite, but it's true. Everything we need to know will drop in. And the most important thing to do is to know where your blockages are. That's why I personally work with so many people with the, the seven major chakra system as to where energy is moving or not, because it's an incredible blueprint of where we're at and, and, and what we need to shift so that the truth of our um, journey and how alive and reactive everything is around us to create what we need can be fully implemented by us because we're not distracted by old beliefs or unprocessed emotions. So let me give you just a quick example to make it real. When I scan a, a chakra system from one to seven, you start with the root, you go to the crown. And I've learned through my work, through repetition and the way it's come to me, that when somebody has chakra two, four, six, and seven open, I call those the ascension chakras. And that means that they're really primed for this Aquarian age, which is coming upon us. And if I find that the chakras and that person that are blocked are then one, three, and five, the root, the solar plexus, and the throat, it tells me where the energy blockages are, which will 
absolutely play out in real life every day. This isn't, you know, this is very practical information. And you can work with those energy centers to find what is holding you back from just manifesting. Um, It's an incredible realization once we come to that point and understand that, you know, all of that about ourselves. So, again, that's another entry way in is to really know ourselves energetically. Right. Well, I got tickled tickled by you. It makes perfect sense, and I'm very aware of where I'm held back. What I'm not very good at is trying to... Uh, work around it, go, you know, get rid of it. <laughs> but that's another story, and I do, I think, work with chakras is imperative for me, and I I appreciate that reminder. I got tickled when you were talking about the time it took you to to work with forgiveness and love. Yeah. Because I have a lot, you know, there I've got a lot of issues about it. Um, I'm not forgiving this right now. <laughs> mm. I'll forgive it tomorrow. So, so I know that that's a real important piece of the puzzle. I have one more quick question. You touched on working in the United States with some of the um, Magdalene Jesus energies, and I wondered if there were, because I was another strong other area for me, very strong in the United States to live, is the Pensacola, Nashville, sort of Louisville, up to Chicago area, down to Belize, over to uh, Tahiti, Papaite. Denver, Santa Fe, and I wondered if any of that was an area that you've been exploring. Uh, Santa Fe, certainly. Okay. Santa Fe in New Mexico, certainly. Um, It would be hard for me to answer that question more accurately without and i don't and i don't say this to promote my work in that way but 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 just to be honest it would really be hard to make an accurate assessment of that if um i didn't work with you personally and and not even probably just you know just just because but i would say santa fe is a very strong anchoring of the light at this time it has it's the tip of um a five-pointed star or a pentacle in as they as they map out on the grid lines of of uh, planet earth and that is a very uh potent point and i've re- i've been out to santa fe more recently and i've i've seen you know i felt the new light coming in and so forth so that one resonates very strongly with with me but i would just say intuitively from what i'm picking up with you before any of that I would say somehow you have to manifest getting your feet on the ground in France because sometimes when you touch upon those ancient memories that need to see the light of day, it helps you answer your questions in the here and the now. Yeah, and I was there in 95 exploring the monasteries and the Benedictine things, and so and it was very powerful. I loved it. Um and, but I wasn't asking for you to suggest where I lived. I was wondering if you had um, done any research and found powerful areas as far as the Magdalene line, the bloodline in the United States. Yes. Yes, I have. I'm not I'm not um ready to fully disclose that yet cuz I think it okay. needs a little bit more okay. vetting, okay. but I will say okay. that Santa Fe as I said earlier still remains um okay. on the list. 
And, you know, I may not have heard your question correctly the first time, but Santa Fe still remains on the list, but there are areas in the um, northeastern United States where I live that um, I'm much more certain about the migration of those lines in my neck of the woods here. Um, And so that's kind of an area that I've been able to figure out. Okay, well, I would be very interested if you're going to publish anything on 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 the on the lineage in the United States and how the energies are flowing with the, with the research that you're doing. That would just be fascinating. I hope you write something on it. <laughs> I am. I'm actually. Okay. I've been working on that. I put out five books and needed to take a break to to right. really catch up with a lot more pieces of the. Um, uh, of this grail story that is, you know, more than a couple thousand years old. Um, right. And so I think I've caught up enough to, you know, move forward with the story. But there definitely are uh, movements and patterns and bloodline. And they seem to come through the Northeast because I think those um, navigational routes, if you will, were understood by the Vikings and, well, actually the very ancient people. Um so I, I think that's why, and it's not only the northeastern United States, but it's also Canada, you know, coming in through okay. Canada as well. Um, and well moving. I, no, but I love that you're doing this work. It's, it's very fascinating, and I'll grab your books, because I've been hearing about them for long enough for me to <laughs> to go get them. Well, you know, the novels are very coded, and actually in the very first novel, Santa Fe plays a very big part, and it will return as well. So um, whether or not you feel motivated to do so, you know, if you do, that's great, but but there are channeled voices, and the second one is all about France, and while they are novels, they are very coded, and it's almost a treasure map of sorts, of an an initiatory sort that I am putting out there that shows – the movement of the grail and what that may really mean. And there's three more to come. And so in January, the third one, uh, I begin writing. I finish the third one. Oh, well, that's great. Well, we're certainly sisters on some level. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for for the information and – and for doing the work that you do. It's, It's really great, and I've had a very fun time listening to this. Great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Nice to uh, nice to meet you on air. Yes, you too. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for calling. Bye bye. You're welcome. Bye bye. Well, um we actually had a, a couple more callers but they seem to have um been disconnected. So you said something earlier that if you would um please kind of expound, um, because I think it would kind of put the icing on the cake for the evening when you said that um, Magdalene told you that the light on the planet is growing even if it doesn't seem that way. That's a very inspiring and hopeful message. So can you um, kind of expand on sure. that a little bit? Sure. She says in, um, I think I think it's either the second or the third volume, it might be the third she talks about how the light is growing on planet Earth. She said, make no mistake about that. And she says, if you could see the light from where we are, you would be amazed. And she very clearly says, turn off the TVs, stop the mental movies. Basically, this is a huge distraction that we are, and a lot of us understand this, we are in a lot of ways 
not in all ways, but in a lot of ways, we are we are beginning, being given this very narrow slice of what's happening in the world via the media. And when you go on the Internet, you can have a much broader worldview, but you have a tremendous amount of disinformation. So it's confusing for people, but she says that the light is growing to such a degree that we we really – not that we need not that we shouldn't be concerned but that we should just continue to grow the light but grow the light and be very grounded because this is you know we're very much here on planet earth if you will and she also adds to that that the dark understands the cycles of time as good astrologers do and the ancient ones did and knowing when all this would play out and that since the dark knows this, they're throwing their their worst at us now. And now that I have this this absolute you know date that resonates for me in terms of 2020, um, we have this five year span to really get clear on this stuff. Because she also talks about when that doorway opens, it is like going through the eye of a needle. And we have to be very present, which means we have to reconcile the past, as, as the last caller was calling about, you know, how do you do all this stuff? And, you know, when you heal the past, you heal the future. So you're able to walk through that eye of the needle very present, very much, you know, leaving the baggage and the programming behind. But she keeps reiterating, make no mistake, the light is growing. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think, and, and you understand this, Ariel. I think from a cosmological viewpoint, the way you know the the Earth and the photon belt and galactic center. I mean, we that is where we're going. There's no doubt about it. And that's why, on some level, um, this astrologer Leo uh, Tallarico, who also talked about the the date for the age of Aquarius, he also said that in the chart of the United States in its astrological chart that what he sees right now is that our shadow is hitting us in the face and we need to look at it because we, in my opinion, need to reclaim more of the um, objectives of the founding fathers, which has always been that America had a spiritual destiny. Right. Right. Well, this is just a wonderful message for um, the night before the night before the night before Christmas. <laughs> we, are, we are so glad that you have taken this time to share with us your work and your most uh, recent excursion to Wales. And um, it's just been so wonderful to have you with us here. I want to remind everybody once more, your website is gloria hyphen amendola.com and amendola is spelled a-m-e-n like amen and d-o-l-a gloria hyphen amendola.com and we do encourage everyone if you have not yet read um, either the um, revelations um, from a first century avatar all three volumes of the trilogy and also the tower series Gloria is a wonderful writer, and we really encourage you to pick this up because this information, as you said, Gloria, is very coded. And, very coded. Uh, when you, yeah, when you read these books, it can trigger things, especially if you know you're connected um, even more so probably. 
You know, I have. It, it's really, it's really funny that you say that about them triggering and. I think that happens to people when they read what they need to read. But I've had many people contact me. Not only have they been triggered by the books, but then they have experiences like it's not even just the goosebumps or the chills. It's also then a flash of something. And I don't know energetically how that's happening, but I just accept that, you know, if, if however that phenomenon is working, if somebody is awaking, then that's a good thing because the more of us that awaken, the more of us are holding more and more light and this darkness will fall by the wayside and we will step in to this more golden age this age of aquarius is a more feminine heart-based uh golden age whether even if you're a guy it's it's about really you know embracing that feminine energy within yourself the all the you know intuitive faculties and the ability for us to um to to be living a much fuller experience than we've been living right right so, um, Lavendar, uh, if you want to make any uh, last comments here, we're about to wrap it up. And um, we do wish you a very, very wonderful holiday season. Um, here. Thank you. Okay, I, yeah, I was wondering if your mute button was working. So, um, well, Lavendar, I, I wish you a happy, happy holiday, Merry Christmas, and um, same to you, Gloria. Thank you. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Hello? Yeah, Hello? I can hear you. Okay, I wanted, uh, to, Gloria, mention your tours to France and when they're going to be. Okay. Um, they're on my website, and there will be two in May and two in September. And it's funny that we we touched upon the Joan of Arc um uh, situation tonight, the the story of Joan, because I've, I'm developing a new one. Uh, one is throughout the South, and it's the mysteries of Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary, and I'm going to take people to Lourdes, um, and it will be that will be a first for me. Lourdes in France, the the huge uh, Mother Mary shrine, and then into the Languedoc. Um, but then the the tour that goes on right after that is really about the mysteries of the divine feminine in a way, in a much fuller way. So it will deal with Mary, but it will deal with Joan of Arc. And, and it's going to be stuff about her story that I haven't revealed yet. And we will go to Orléans, which is where her cathedral is in France. And we will then head to Chartres, which is so encoded with the principles of the divine feminine, Isis, Gaia. It's extraordinary. And we'll spend time there and end in Paris in some of the areas that are holding incredible feminine energy so that's in may and the ones in september are more initiation tours they take you into the grid points and geometries of the earth there and the waters and they and the land and inside the land and rivers and caves and it's really more um an initiation on the Essene path, if you will, of working these energies through our physical bodies and our energy field. So there's there's two phases of that because, you know, a bunch of people have done one and they're wanting more. So I, I have a two that I'm designing that will take people even deeper in, people that are ready for that level of personal transformation. Um, because our dynamic duo was there and they say the light in the earth in the Ormus was was enough to really just send them over the top. 
Wow. Yeah. yeah, as a matter of fact, there's new information. I will say this, and I will write about it. There is new information that's been coming through in the last few years, which actually deals with the inner earth there in the Bougarache, Renle Chateau area. And that's why I find the Arcturian connection so interesting because I did a channeling there before we left this year, and it was from Yeshua. And it was about what is really going on in the inner earth, the hollow earth in that area. And so this idea of ascension and Magdalene telling me in 2008 that that's where she ascended, I'm thinking in my programming she went up, right? I'm just thinking up. I don't know why, but that's what I'm thinking, heaven up. And actually, I'm believing they go down into the, the earth. Hollow yeah. At least that's what I'm exploring right now. So I'm going to be adding that into the tours because you had mentioned that on a more advanced level because you have to be ready for that level of energy. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking so. Well. Yeah, well, I guess your, your frequency can go up and your your location can go down. Yeah, wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. You know, well, well the programming, I mean, there again, think about the programming. We're always told to look up. We're always told to look to the sky and, and, and that God is in heaven and in heaven is up. And and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's always been the orientation. And yet the more I certainly go to France, the more I find that the orientation is down. And it's what's in the earth there or the entrances to the earth there, to the inner earth. Oh. Well, that's where well. they hide things, right. Right. And some people say that's where they ascend to. And uh, I'm exploring because Yeshua was very clear with me about what's going on down there. And while I'm still trying to digest it, believe me, some of this stuff, you know, as far you know, as far along as I am in understanding some of these things, I get things thrown at me that I have to sit with because I, I have a hard time with them. But I'm finding that there's some real um, substance to that. So whatever it means, um, that's part of the initiation there okay. in France. Well, be sure and come back and tell us that the you know when you have this figured out and write about it. We want to know. Oh, this is Thanks. amazing stuff you're doing. Thank you, thank you. It's been it's been really nice to touch base with all of you, and uh, I really was really looking forward to doing this show. I always enjoy talking and communicating, and your listening audience. It was really a great experience. Oh, you know what? I'm going to invite you to come back and do this uh, before Christmas next year. Okay. All right, sounds good. Okay, well, okay, back to you, Ariel. Okay, well, um, I was just about to wrap it up and say good night, and we have another caller um, with a question. And if they get out of the screening room in a reasonable amount of time, uh, we can take one more, but we'll have to keep it short because we're we're going to run out of time. So, um, well, I don't know how long she's going to be in there. I've got an idea. How about another Christmas song? Sounds good. Uh, sound good? Yeah. This actually is this is a song that um I learned to perform when we went to France and I was standing in the um uh, in the cave in uh, um Galamus and then another um Galamus, yeah. Yeah, and then there was another 
church that was in rock inside of a cave, and I don't remember where we were, but the acoustics were tremendous. So um, this is the song I sang there, although I didn't have any accompaniment. Um, this one does. It is the lesser-known version of Ave Maria. Ah. Uh. Oh, it's not working. Uh, well, oh, no. got you all worked up about that, yet will Blog Talk change something with their software? And they said I would have to re-upload the older clips, and that's been up there for too long. But you can all go to starseedhotline.com forward slash holiday gift and hear your Ave Maria there, uh, as well as any other Christmas songs. I'm sorry about that. I didn't realize it wasn't going to work until I uploaded it again. So our caller is now out of the screening room, so uh, I guess just as well. We are going to talk to, I think, Alicia. Is that your name, Alicia? Yeah, Alicia, yes. Okay, Alicia, you are on the air with Gloria. Ask your question. Okay. Um, uh, just, okay, I had a, oh, I had a dream, I'm sorry. Uh, it was like I was um, out of my body, and um, I was, uh, do you guys remember that um, that tsunami? I believe that, or the tsunami, or t- yeah, that um, in the Philippines. Okay. Where um, they had um, they actually formed a human bridge to get the people okay. across to safe land. Well, um, like a week before that, I actually had a dream that um, that myself um, was um, was seeing them and well. I, like, traveled through water, like, on over the water and stuff. Like, I was skipping, but I started, like, flying because I was skipping real fast. And yes. I ended up seeing these people across on um, across the the, riv- the real destructive, fast river water that was flooding everything. And um, I, I was letting them know that everything was okay. And okay. then I laid down across the two. Uh, I laid down so that way they can walk over me so they can get onto safe land. Okay. And um, so I was wondering what that meant or what was that all about because I had that dream a week before that. And then I seen it on the news that they actually did build a human bridge. And so I was just wondering if you could um, give me some insight about that or something. Well, just a quick um, uh, just a quick hit, if I understood you correctly, in your precognition of the tsunami, um, it... it on some level, it was already happening. It was about to happen. And we know from the Princeton Project, the Consciousness Project, that before 9-11, there was a spike in the grid because people knew something was coming. And so I assume that in this situation, there was part of you, that other as- those other aspects of consciousness that we're not always aware of, that was tapped into that place and that event for whatever reason. And you were already beginning to experience it. And so so some part of you, um, especially in the dream time, we have many layers and levels of the dream time that some part of you on a certain level, on a more of a spirit body level, was probably actually part of that experience. And the dream was letting you know of those uh, possibilities. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's kind um, of crazy, isn't it? Yes. Yes, yeah, um, but that's when you start to look at quantum physics and all the new science that's coming out there. These are the crazy kinds of things that they're telling us we're capable of. 
the 5D world. Yeah. They're coming into the 5D world. Yeah, yeah, the, that higher frequency and understanding. They're beginning to understand that consciousness is not just local. It's not just in, in you sitting in your house, and especially when you're dreaming. It really is almost global, if you will. It's probably beyond that. And the more aware we become of it when we remember a dream and we pay attention to it or at least can remember it, we're remembering an aspect of ourselves that is much larger than we've ever been thought to believe existed. Yeah. The power of human potential is incredible. I've been teaching our, or I've been um, with our children around here in the house and everything. I'm always uh, encouraging them to be uh, more loving. And um, we're just, um, a lot has changed from us practicing more, having more loving and, and kindness and mindfulness, especially um, here at the house. Really I think that out. I think that is a miracle maker just just those simple principles because not only is it the right thing to do about being compassionate and loving and kind the heart has a brain and it mm-hmm. is far more electrically charged and intelligent than our brain in our head Yes. And so there's a, there's a whole other concept, there's no whole other aspects of the energy that that, that is awakened when we navigate by the heart Yes. By learning. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah, so awesome. Okay, well, yeah, I just wanted to see what you were saying. Yeah, pay attention to your dreams. You might be a strong dreamer. Yeah, I always thought that was, um, uh, yeah, Uh, because recently, well, these past five days, I just had a weird feeling about something, and why just, like, there's something going on or something happened, I was telling my partner. And then today, I guess, we found out what was going on or something or something weird well, pay attention that to that because those those cues and those intuitions can drive your experience and really lead you to a whole nother level of of life, and that yeah. would probably be a very beneficial thing for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. Cool. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Are you there, Ariel? Yes, uh, yeah, yes, I am. Sorry, I, okay. I, the, mute, the mute didn't unmute right away. Okay. <laughs> yes, I want to thank you so much for being with us, Gloria, and hope you have the most wonderful, joyous holiday. And um, from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, we wish the same for everyone who's listening. Wondrous holidays. I want to also remind you, that um, we will be off the air next Tuesday, enjoying the holidays, and then we'll be back the following Tuesday. So, Gloria, big hugs to you, and thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks, Ariel. Our pleasure. So, from all of us here, joyous, happy holidays. Peace on Earth. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.